Uh, one group stands out for me and has stood out for me over the last three years is is parents. Yeah. Pa- parents seem to be really juggling and they're really dealing with quite a considerable, and new parents as well, those who have had children during the pandemic are dealing with quite a lot at home. Uh, the ability to sort of juggle their time and their children and, of course, their loved ones, their partners. Um, and that's been really really in focus more than I'd experienced previously in the last 20 odd years of working. Hello and welcome to Walk the Talk, our version of a podcast where you walk if you want to while we do the talking. So if you're up for it, plug in your earphones and listen while you take us on a walk. Use this time to move your body and nourish your mind. I'm Sarah Mayo, one of the founders and trainers at Point3 Wellbeing, and I will be hosting this episode of our Walk the Talk, the next in our podcast series aimed at HR professionals, business leaders, and anyone that's interested in the mental health and well-being of people in the workplace. So on to today's conversation. And I'm very delighted today to be joined by Nick Pritchard, People and Resourcing Manager at Cadence Innova. Welcome, Nick. Hi, how are you doing? <laughs> Good to have you on the show. Thank you. All right. So, Nick, in your own words, please can you introduce yourself and share a little bit about your role and your uh, experience, perspective around mental health and well-being in the workplace and, and why it's important to you? Yeah, sure, of course. So, my name is Nick Pritchard, and um, I look after the people function for city-based consultancy, Kenzie and Overs, you just heard. Um, all things, is it's, a gen- it's very much a generalist role, uh, so I look after uh, the, the key areas from the organisation, from tactical to strategic. Um, my interest, of course, uh, in mental health and well-being is, is, is around the fact that I have diagnosed complex PTSD from childhood trauma um, and have suffered in the past with depression or well, the black dog as Winston Churchill used to call it so in, at times when I was in the black dog it was very deep and it was sort of uh, on occasions I had I had felt suicidal so uh, some of those over the years you know discussing mental health and well-being in the workplace wasn't really done and uh, so for me it's really important that the work that I do and the job that I'm in and the people around me are able to discuss mental health uh, and well-being in the workplace uh, I don't subscribe to the leave your personal life at home. Um, I believe in we bring our whole selves to work, uh, even the bits that are difficult for us in leadership roles to discuss or management roles to discuss. And I think this brings out the best in people. And that's why I'm keen and interested and in push for mental health and well-being in the workplace. Well, thank you, Nick, and for sharing um, your personal journey so to, to start, something I ask all of our guests on Walk the Talk, what is your greatest business challenge at the moment when it comes to your people? Mm, yeah. Greatest challenge. I mean, I, I, I have noticed since the pandemic, it's actually cultural, really. Um, you know, the start of the pandemic, we were very much... Um, in a state of shock that we had to go into living at home or working from home, uh, even though some of us did it um, 
regular regularly anyway it was difficult for us to really sort of uh, adapt to it so fast forward three and a half years and for us it's cultural it's getting the folks together and helping them to see the importance of regular meetups so that that's that's really difficult also getting them to understand how it's beneficial um how it helps stop creeping negative thoughts um which of course many of you will know and you will know that actually that can lead to bad behaviors as well or negative bad negative behaviors rather than bad behaviors negative behaviors uh, and why you know and obviously getting them to see why it's important um for their colleagues at work and how it actually has a positive cultural impact yeah so it's so interesting isn't it three and a half years on and we're still sort of seeing the impact of of the pandemic and how things still haven't quite kind of recalibrated or that's right yeah back to that whatever that new normal will be and i think you're right this whole piece around culture and connection and how do we because we know that it's um you know we know that practically and uh, it is possible to work remotely but you you miss out on so many other benefits of, of kind of coming together and collaborating don't you when you're not all together as much yeah i mean human beings are social social animals right we that i think we can all agree that and and so the isolation um especially for those of uh younger generations who are still very much in the early stages of their career so in london for instance there's they're more likely to actually live in a room rather than have an apartment to themselves so that one space is the only space that they have and if they're spending um, a long period of time in that it can become very isolating yeah I think that's a really interesting point to pick up on that sort of loneliness and yes we are social beings and I think we can forget that sort of the workplace yes it sort of helps us kind of earn money to then kind of be able to afford to 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 live and but it is the new it is it's our hunting and gathering, isn't it? And we yes. did that as a tribe. So, you know, mm -hmm. I think we forget that the need to be a tribe still. It's just that we do it in a different way now. Yeah, exactly. So, okay, um, we're, we're never short on, on studies uh, in terms of uh, kind of what the greatest challenges are that are facing organisations at, at the moment. And I shared a few statistics. Um, ahead of our conversation and because we've just picked up on that sort of loneliness piece I, I did want to um, perhaps zero in on, on a loneliness statistic um, which you may or may not have heard of but it's that over nine million people in the UK um, across all adult ages are either often or always lonely and nine million people you know you and I know we, we mm. that's the population of, of London yeah. um, and that it that statistic references it's people of all adult ages so you know you me uh, people we work with you've already talked about maybe some of the younger generation who are living um, alone in a room um, so that just really highlights the importance of of the workplace of that community um, aspect and mm. But for many, maybe they don't have that sort of sense of belonging anywhere else outside of the workplace. And I think yeah. it's worth reminding ourselves of, of this 
fact um, that, you know, of how important the workplace is for creating that um, safe place for, for people to to have that, bring that sense of belonging, that sense of, of purpose. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we, we mentioned that. Um, what do you make of, of that statistic? Um, how is that uh, kind of relevant or, or pressing in terms of you as a business? And how do you address that sense of community? That doesn't surprise me. That it doesn't surprise me at all. Um, I have done both uh, living in a room on my own, and I've done. I've also lived in an apartment on my own, um, or flat, as we call it, because it's not not as glamorous as an apartment. It would sound more of a New more York. of a flat down. Yeah, yeah, it sounds like New York, doesn't it? No, the, a flat on Old Kent Road, um, which was uh, above a shop. Um, you know, that uh, very Notting Hill. It does sound nice to hear, but I can assure you it wasn't. Uh, though I, uh, it was my first one and I loved it dearly, um, much to my mother's surprise. Um, and so, yeah, I, I very much remember sitting in the flat. And this was, this was pretty, obviously, this was 2005, four, five. Mm-hmm. And so I remember being very lonely in that apartment. Well, how can so many, how can you have a city with so many people and, yeah. but yet you, yet you feel so lonely? Um, and so, and of course, anyone who lives in London knows that, you know, stepping out the door, you're instantly spending money in London. Um, so, so those of us that are back then that were on, uh, an average type way is you, you can spend a huge amount of money because you had bills to pay. So you did end up being, um, a home alone a lot. Um, and of course that's just been amplified even more so now. So, um, you know. I go back to that, the comments around the culture and the workspace, really. Um, and you have you have people who are who are you know are mature and older and um, may no longer be in their relationships, or they have children that have left the home and are now at university, or have left the home a long time ago. And so there's isolation there. Um, and the, the one place that they did have pre-pandemic, which was the workplace where they did get into their car and or did get onto the tube and go in and, and that is no longer there. Something that um, that fascinates me about the structure of Cadence Innova, um, which I haven't heard elsewhere, um, but you have these sort of families. Um, yes. Talk us through that, because I think that goes a long way to create that sense of belonging and community within uh, for your employees. Yeah, so we call it families. Um, obviously, uh, as an organisation, we're fully aware that families uh, or family as a unit can actually, you know, uh, have positive and negative connotations it can you know and we're aware of that so what we've done with our you know our families is we take all of the positives out of what that family unit looks like now those who have done any studying about organizational design will understand that you know it's called peer pods so what we've done is rather than create a, a traditional matrix style organization where you have a manager and they have seven eight nine ten people reporting into them um those with matrix uh 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 style um designs know that it can become a bottleneck um so we created the families where it's a uh, between eight and ten people of various different experiences yeah. and different generations i might add because uh, as an organization we have four different generations in our business um and with that comes that unit where they they get together once or twice 
um, a, a week and uh, separately if they want to, um, they meet for lunches um, or, or dinners uh, every month. And that unit provides an opportunity for those of them to share their experiences, uh, their knowledge, um, uh, and obviously give any support they might need um, from an adult to adult relationship point of view. So it looks beyond just going to your manager for something and having a, tr having a traditional, what I would probably describe sort of 1950s style relationship actually brings it into the 21st century where if you can't talk to Bob, you can talk to James or Jane or you can, you know, there's all of these people. It doesn't just rely on one person um, and to make sure that we we help run that family and make sure that people understand how it works and how people get on and talk and how you know there is um, a point person who looks after that family and hustles the troops if you will and make sure that they're having it and so so far so good we've been doing it for I think about five years now um, we did it as a as a pilot first um, it showed uh, really great results um certainly made sure that the load wasn't heavy on just one in particular in particular one one individual one particular person it was spread across the the you know eight or nine people i think that's fascinating and um another kind of of the the, the studies that i want to to reference is around quiet quitting it seems to be a term that um we're hearing more and more over the last 12 months or, or so when mm, yeah they're essentially they um they turn up but they're doing the minimum they're looking they're you know looking at the clock and they're doing the very um, minimum um and we know that uh, i think the latest study that i read from from gallup was that 59 percent of employees are quiet quitting mm, yeah and we know that sort of engagement is is the sort of the antidote to, to quiet quitting. Um, yeah. How are you keeping your your people really engaged? Um, you know, we've talked about culture. Uh, we know how important the manager is. Maybe in this sort of family structure, um, how do you kind of create that engagement? Well, I'm I'm very fortunate in the sense that my our organisation is currently about. 49 people um so i actually can talk to everyone um and i sort of understand where everyone are we also have we have two checking calls a week um one on a tuesday one on a friday you know which isn't mandatory people can come and go as they please i can join can't join there's some there's the usual you know like any organization you have usual characters that turn up and tell their funny stories and it's a good mm -hmm. giggle um We've 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 now got an anchor day Thursday, which was introduced about oh goodness me, um, last September when we moved into our new office space, um, we introduced uh, anchor day Thursday. Um, it was a really good opportunity for people to know that on those Thursdays these particular people were going to be there or uh, their groups are going to be there. Yeah, so um, very much driven by the management and leadership, um, we were there going you know i mean I, i've been going in since i could possibly go in anyway um after the lockdown stopped and after the the tears and all of that stuff 
um the tears of of, of, of yeah the tears of covid uh, not tears as in tears down the eyes i might add um <laughs> not to be confused and um, so yeah so we've 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 had that and that's really engaged people and actually um half of the organization was in yesterday um okay. which was great was great to see him the other half um there was people on holiday there was people doing client stuff that they can get out of and there was some people who had to look after their their children of course because as you some of your listeners will know and you will know it's half term or no not half term it's full summer holidays it's isn't it that's holidays. right yeah um so you know they, it doesn't they... look like it when you look at the weather <laughs> yes yeah we're having one of those years i think <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so we have those things in place, um, uh, and so far we're you know seeing success with that. So it sounds like you've got quite a a very flexible sort of arrangement in terms of expectations of how people work and how often they come into the office and and where they work. Yes, we do. We we've sort of we've always had an you know it's adult to adult relationship mm-hmm. with with people. It's it's not parent child you know we don't demand or tell them they have to do things you know they're an adult they will do things in their own time yes it takes a little bit longer sometimes for organizations to you know get people on board but actually in fairness they are adults and you know i i I think that people really appreciate appreciate that they see that they understand that um and with that comes um I don't know, a greater commitment to the organisation, really, and a greater commitment to our goals. Sean here from Point3 Wellbeing. Just quickly jumping in to say a big thank you for listening to this podcast. If you want to find out a bit more about Point3 Wellbeing and how we support people in the workplace to stress less and smile more, then head to point3wellbeing.com or drop us an email to b underscore well at point3wellbeing.com. That's all from me. Back to the conversation. So thinking about kind of how you do support your your people, what types of things do you offer? You obviously mentioned at the beginning how you know, uh, mental health and well-being is really very much a part of kind of what you, um, you know, your, your role and your um, interest in, in terms of supporting that um, and people within, within the organisation. What types of support do you offer? So... Firstly, we've we have that peer pods, really yeah. important families. Um, create that support group so there's no single point of failure. It means that we all help. Um, uh, we have our mental health first aiders who are very vocal, are very out there. Um, we have one, so we've got five family groups. We have five. We we have four actually. Uh, oh no, actually I'm right. Five. Yeah. We have five five first aiders, and we're about to have a sixth. And they're gonna. They they are in all families. So those first aiders can actually also uh, use those skills to recognize as and when is needed. And um, I have, you know, since that's since that's been rolled out, since they've they've had those skills, they have said they've been using them. We have a, a, a bi-monthly catch up as a group. Um, so it's really positive to see that, that that's having having a positive impact on the organization. Um, we have a mental health program, which is to, has dedicated topics that people can come and go. Most of the most of them are, are recorded, and so people can go and watch them when they need to, or if they have any questions, they can come to me or any of the, the first aiders. Um, as any you know, really sort of organisation worth their salt, comprehensive healthcare package, which includes um, psychotherapy and 
psychiatry and um, offers, offers support groups online as well, and the employee assistance program, which people can use. Um, it's it's really comprehensive. Um, we talk, I talk about where they can get support, how they can get support. I signpost things to them. So do the mental health first aiders. Um, so there's lots of support, you know, organizations less than 50 people, but lots of support there. And any other sort of um, themes or topics or types of support that your people are, are asking for? Yeah, flexible. So, very comprehensive. <laughs> yeah, I, the support is actually so flexible working, right? So as an organisation, we're, we're output driven, not time spent. Mm. Um, and I, 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 I bang that drum a lot. Um, and, and, you know, every now and then, someone sort of falls into a bit of an old way of thinking and goes oh da, 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 and I say mm, we're output driven not time spent and so I'm you know constantly banging that drum uh you know 99.8 percent of the organization are absolutely always on it and, and understand that so flexible working which we've always had by the way it's always been there um has been a real a real key topic for us um and so we're still talking actually yesterday we talked about it at the company update meeting and we were talking about flexible just to remind people it is there you know um so this idea of flexible working it changes it evolves doesn't it because flexible working pre-pandemic looks very different to flexible working that's right that's right yeah so 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 i think a, a lot of people's attitude towards flexible working was that they were going to do four days a week or three days a week but actually flexible working can mean starting at 11 uh, starting at 11 and finishing at seven or something or having a having a break in the middle of the day because uh, you need to go and pick your children up from school um, or take or, or pick them up from the after school club or you know there's lots of options um, so we, we we ensure that they understand the variations some of them that we have we do informally because we're small enough to agree and appreciate the importance of them um, you know, and, and time to go and do emergency dependent care cover, of course, has been really important over the last three years because children, parents, aunties, uncles, all sorts, even our lovely little friends, the pets, have mm. required um, some care. Uh, and I can put my hand up and say I've had to take time off to, to look after my poor, my poor dog when he was around. Oh, I should mention. Last but not least, one of the key topics that's been really hot over the last couple of years, even though we've been discussing it for quite some time now, I mean, since I got into HR, which is well over a decade ago, and that's the menopause has been has been really front and centre. And I think that comes back to the fact that we're seeing a lot of people online at home. We're seeing a lot of people. Sorry, I missed that last point. Why that uh, the the, the menopause we're seeing a lot of people at home and so there's a lot of people talking about it a lot more because we're, right. we're going we're being we're beaming into their homes so because right. we're beaming into that yeah exactly because we're beaming into their homes we're seeing we're seeing more of them and more of what's the, the yeah that, right that's, that's right okay so i mean coming on then to my next question uh, you know yeah. are there any particular groups of employees um that need specific support so you know we, we've mentioned one there you know those going through perimenopause 
uh, menopause, for example. Um, but also at the beginning, we talked about the, the younger generations. And yeah, I think it is wor worth considering sort of the different types of support that are needed depending on where you are in your life. And, and um, yeah, are there any sort of specific groups that you kind of um, are particularly focused on at the moment? Um, well, no, I mean, the three groups that really have played a, a big role is what the ones I've, you know, is, have, have said really, which is those that have required dependent care, those, those going through, pardon me, the menopause and those that are the younger generation who are joining the workforce. Um, but actually, uh, one group stands out for me and has stood out for me over the last three years is, is parents. Yeah. parents seem to be really juggling and they're really dealing with quite a considerable and new parents as well those who have had children during the pandemic are dealing with quite a lot at home uh, the ability to sort of juggle their time and their children and of course their loved ones their partners um and that's been really really in focus more than i'd experienced previously in the last 20 odd years of working um so so that's something that we focused on. Really fascinating what you said before about how perhaps because we have been beamed into people's homes so much more um, over the last few years because of the pandemic, how mm -hmm. we come to see the, a much more holistic view of people. And mm, yes. that, that's brought into focus so many things that perhaps we, we were blinkered about about or we didn't feel like they were invisible to us as an organization so we didn't feel we had to you know there was a need to address them but whereas now it's it's so much yeah it's much more visible yeah I mean for me it certainly opened my eyes up so it, I, I mean it, it, I don't want to say that it was great to go through what we went through because actually it was really quite traumatic and we you know those we those of us that lost loved ones or you know which was desperately sad and um but actually it, it gave people like me and those of us in our people profession to see things that we may not have seen before and so really amplifies our empathy and compassion towards those that require support um i can't tell you how many meetings i've been in where you know i've there's been children in the background and it doesn't in this doesn't bother me in the slightest but having that person on the phone with me who's concentrating on what we're talking about whilst uh there could be some possibly could possibly be some chaos and mayhem happening in the background but yet this person is completely focused on what we're talking about i mean you've got to have some skill to do that um but it can also be very stressful for them yeah well i think it just shows we we're all humans, doesn't it? Yes. It shows yeah. how I think before when we were in, you know, pre-pandemic, perhaps we were all much more polished, the professional person that mm. we came to work with, and we didn't show the chaos that that surrounds us back home so much. Whereas mm. um, now we are much more kind of comfortable being more human so we're, we're sort of seeing each other much more as human beings which which is is a yeah yeah um, human 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 beings not human doings yes absolutely okay so as we come sort of nearer the end of of the um conversation nick um oh. so any final kind of advice for hr managers business leaders out there listening in terms of how to look after their people in 
the area of mental health and well-being in particular goodness me um <laughs> i know right i haven't touched on i i wouldn't dare to I assume I could uh, teach them anything. They're a great, a great, amazing bunch of people who who are obviously uh, likely to have studied and read and all the, all the stuff that's out there at the moment, which there is a lot of. Um, by the way, uh, I could actually. The best advice is the simple thing. Yeah, I would I I would say the thing that that I got is uh, you know the old adage of no news is good news really doesn't apply anymore. Mm. Um, I've often found over the last few years that silence can often mean disengagement, lack of connection. Uh, and, and for those of you that are commercially minded, a drop in productivity. Um, so, you know, getting out there and having the conversations, getting your team to do a call around on a regular basis, setting up those staff calls, which we have, as I've talked about already, event days, social events, love a social event, uh, and the built-in anchor days, you know, or anchor day, you know, it's um, it's really time to get back into the office, not for money, mm-hmm. but for those connections. That connection piece, so that we can be human together. Basically, yeah, I love seeing the guys. I saw them. I saw so many of them yesterday, um, and I really, I really enjoy it. It's it's really great. Okay, so we're coming now on to the quick fire, which is not actually that quick. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, the five questions at the, uh, yes. at the end. So first one, um, what are your three daily well-being non-negotiables, Nick? Those things that you prioritise um, to oh, manage yeah. stress? Uh, lunch break. Mm-hmm. I'm a stickler for a lunch break. Don't put something in my lunch break, please. No, thank you. Uh, let, you know, so note uh, the note self, no lunch break. You know, uh, nothing worse than seeing someone put something in at twelve o'clock when I'm about to eat a sandwich or something. Uh, the gym. I go to the gym a lot. Um, and actually, it, you know, in my twenties, I go. I went to the gym to look good. Uh, now in my forties, I, I go to the gym for my mental health and well-being because I feel so much better after having done it. Um, and the evening downtime, which of course is easy for me to say because I don't have children, but um, the evening downtime is really important. Um, or just taking taking a moment out to to reset my mind, which you know I'll have done a little bit at the gym of, but also coming home to some chill time. It's really important. What do you know now that you wish you'd known five years ago? Yeah. Okay. So five years ago I have to admit I wouldn't have thought about remote working as a cultural impact problem you know Um, so remote working as a cultural impact on the business in the long run that's my thing because actually five years ago I mean so I did a job as an account manager where I, I went around the country I went around East Anglia and North London I visited something like over 150 50 stores and I actually had to go so I knew what isolation was like I knew what it was like to work from a a car Mm. Um, and I never really thought about what it would be like to work in at home you know as a thing I know people did it and um, my mum was a professional successful professional and I saw her work remotely at home but actually from a cultural impact point of view um, I wish I knew five years ago about the impact it'd have culturally one thing you do, and you've mentioned a few already, but I'm just going to ask for one thing you do to connect to create 
psychological safety within your organization mm. uh, Brené Brown would be very very pleased with me for saying this but showing vulnerability Oh, you're mm. a model NHS leader. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, okay, so either best or worst bit of leadership advice you've ever received. Could this me? Okay, can I answer both? Yeah, I'm gonna ask both. Two um, for the price of one. <laughs> two for the two for the price of one. The best leadership advice I'd ever received, which was, which was very much early doors. And this is such an obvious thing, but actually, how often do we do it? Which is taking your time to listen. Actually, truly stop and listen, because sometimes we don't. It's tr- well, this Brené, truth. again, Brené is is sitting here very proud of you. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Basically, well, yeah. So, and and the worst piece of advice I had, which was early doors, very early on in my, you know, uh, well, just work life, which was don't be too open with people. I mean, I, I mean, luckily, um, luckily, I I got rid of that in my mid twenties. I thought that just doesn't work for me. So I'm very open with people. Then they're open with me, and it builds stronger, safer, uh, trusting relationships. And then final question for you, a, po- mm-hmm. a podcast or a book that we should all read or, or listen to? So I said to my partner once, he said, what, um, what do you want for your birthday? And I said, happiness, mm-hmm. which is really corny. Everyone's going to go, oh, my God, it was really corny. And so he bought me this book. It's fantastic. It's The Art of Happiness, uh, A Handbook for Living, The Dalai Lama and Howard Cutler and it's a brilliant book it makes you smile it makes you warm it makes you fuzzy and he so basically gave me a book about art of happiness he gave me happiness basically he gives me happiness anyway but he listened. yeah he listened listened oh, okay so we'll all rush off and buy that if we haven't read it already which I haven't <laughs> oh well that does bring us to the end Nick um thank oh, you so so much for your time today honestly my pleasure enjoyed it thank you and thank you to our audience for tuning in today whatever your business challenge this year the team at point three wellbeing are here to support you and your people to stress less and to focus